as a kid, I noticed when there was crayons, hmm. and someone was like, "Oh, why are you, why are you coloring the sky purple?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" Because I have an imagination. It's because they didn't have the, cre- the the little sticker that said purple on it. It was worn off. So uh. I just I just was coloring before I relied on that little thing that said blue. When purple. I was a kid, sure. I uh, I ate crayons. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters, podcast number 63. I think it's 63. Greg and I had a little discussion to start. I can't remember. I'm losing track of this shit. Uh, Anyways, uh, we got the gang together. Uh, Right in front of me is Christian Wolfgang Graffin, fresh from the Dominican Republic. Hopefully didn't bring back some sort of disease or ailment. Are you okay? Just a lot of flaky skin. That's all. Burnt on the first day and wore a sun shirt the rest of it. That's fucking... I am still a snake. I'm... I'm literally just just flaking that all over sucks, my That sucks, man, dude. Because Christian and I are both half Asian, uh, but Correct. but I don't burn. Like I've been sunburned wow. twice in my life. I'm just awesome. My skin's awesome, and it never fucking gets burnt. So you tan. I get the greatest tan. I look like a fucking Puerto Rican farmer every time. So are you one of those assholes that like wears tanning oil when you go to the beach then? Oh, I don't need oil. Dude, I went, say, I went to, little side story, when I went to Mexico, I got like the worst heat stroke I've ever had in my life. Four hours in the sun. I don't burn, so I'm just laying there and I got home and then like my body started seizuring up in bed and I'd like lay on the concrete (laughs) tiles in my bathroom for the entire night because I thought I was going to die. Because you don't get burnt, which is your body's warning. I was just like pounding. I'll never have that. My body will be too burnt before I get sunstroke. Greg, so you're you're, you're, you're Cypriot, so I'm assuming you don't get burnt either. Yeah, or get olive sunstroke. bud. I just go olive. Oh, I hate olives. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you my, t- my dad told me as a kid if, if I ate olives, it would make my balua grow bigger. Balua means little birdie. So your dad, when you were a kid, said to you, if you eat olives, your dick will grow larger. That's right. Oh, that's an aggressive <laughs> statement, Pops. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, let's get to the topic at hand. on. Toronto Raptors basketball. Um, the, I guess we'll start this one off with, uh, since we last spoke, the team, we're a pretty mediocre stretch one. We've gone three and three. Um, I guess we'll start it off. DeMar DeRozan return to Toronto against the San Antonio Spurs. Any emotions, guys? Any, uh, like, sadness? Is it really just weird to see... DeMar on the Raptors court wearing, I wouldn't say enemy colors, but foreign colors for sure. The, the I, black and silver. Or gold. I found the I found the tribute to be pretty touching. Like I, I was at the game when Dwayne Casey came back um, and that and that the building was pretty emotional. I wasn't at this game, but just from watching it, you know, you, you could tell like the fans have a connection to that guy. Right. And, and I thought that they uh, gave him the respect that that he deserves. All right, so team went three and three in the last six losses to the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando Magic, and last night against Houston with wins over Boston, Portland, and like I mentioned, San Antonio. Christian, what game stood out to the most, and why? Uh, I would say for me, uh, probably the Boston game. Yeah, and honestly, it's it, it, it was a game that Boston they've been struggling lately, and we're going to talk about that later. But it was one of those games where the Raptors wanted to even up the season series two two. I still think Boston's a threat. Like I know that they are they're struggling, but for me, I think it's the peace of mind for the Raptors people that they crushed them as well. Like it wasn't even a close game. Yep. Uh Kyrie was completely invisible. I don't know. I think for me it was kind of the perfect game to end out a season against a team that you very well could face in the playoffs. Yep. So it seems like they were cohesive, which is almost the opposite of what they had against last night in Houston. Let's get to that. Greg, we'll throw it to you in a second. Um Obviously, the team's been struggling from the bench and last like the entire season. You know, we had the bench yeah, mob last yeah. year. That was what we were known for having this deep, you know, what I mean, five, five to 11 uh, roster. And uh, fucking Graffin's got the phone on, man. It's just uh, all these sources. All these sources. A lot of unnamed sources texting me about all these, rumors. All these Sorry. sources getting got, to you. Yeah, man. But the bench news. mob last year looked fantastic. That was our identity coming in the season. The team has obviously struggled off the bench. Uh, last night was the best example of that. What, what do we need to do to write the ship? Obviously, we brought in a couple new guys. We got Casal. We got Jeremy Lin. You know, we brought in Meeks as well. What needs to happen to make sure that we have the same sort of success we had last season coming from the bench? Well, I don't think year? we're going to pick up Meeks, right? I don't think we re-signed him again, um, which is 
Oh, I'm saying there's, a roster there's spot, West, a guy you know, to fill that spot. And what Graf and sources were, were just actually telling him here <laughs> is that uh, Martin Gortat is uh, rumored to be interested yeah, in in the Raptors, and the Raptors have interest in him, and that might be a nice um, backup power big uh, in case uh, Gasol gets injured. I like that idea. He could also uh, pass the ball out of the high post. Oh, geez, that you know the bench, and you know, last night I was screaming at my television because I thought that 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 nurse kept the bench in a little too long, right? Um, hopefully, when Van Vliet comes back, he can right the ship. I think the larger problem, though, is that. There's absolutely no consistency in the lineups. And, you know, we can talk about, uh, you know, Nick Nurse being like a mad scientist and being able to play in whatever uh, combinations he can. But the truth of the matter is that, you know, as Jack Armstrong said on air, you know, uh, winning at high levels requires the building of habits. Right. Um, Right. Practice doesn't make uh, perfect. It makes permanent. And these are bad habits. Well, you know, what I'm seeing uh, Jeremy Lin running this offense, giving the ball away, missing threes. He hasn't hit a three yet. Well, there's also a lack of continuity we were talking about. These guys yeah, are not used to playing what, yeah. together as a unit. I'm Kawhi that, is sitting out games. Kyle misses a stretch. Gasol's coming in as a third star. But how many, you know, it takes And it's reps, evident, so. right? It, it's evident. Um, you know, and there's last night was like, you see the peaks and the valleys. You see the potential of a team when they when we came out and, and, and blitzed Houston in the third. And you really you're comparing how what Houston did to Boston and how Boston just rolled over and died, and then the Raptors fight back like they did, right? Um it shows that that the team, you know, we we can flip the switch and and we have the talent and at our best, we are an elite team in the league. I still think we're a top three team in the league. I still think we're the favorite to to come out of the East, but the consistency is an issue. The bench, look, in the playoffs, man, tighten up that rotation. And Kawhi needs to play more. Well, that's something we'll get to in a second with Christian. Sorry. No, I was going to say, that's what's going to happen in the playoffs. But I, I think just to fix it, like a, in my mind, I would try starting Ibaka and Gasol together and putting Siakam on the bench mm. and having him come off. He, Him, Powell, and Fred Van Vliet, when he's healthy— we're part of that G League squad that that won the championship. Like they yeah. have that consistency together. Even I mean, Delon's gone, but he would have been part of that in the past too. So I think one try, try it out. We have 17 games left. It's it's, it's experimental time. Or you leave, is it though? Is it experiment time? I, or or I, I don't get to that. But or or option two is you leave Lowry and Siakam out there. Yeah, and take and take off Kawhi, Danny Green, and Ibaka first. Or Marcus all first because I feel like Lowry works really well with the bench. He's still the the floor yeah. general that you yeah. need to have. Or else we have people like at this point it's like Jeremy Lin is our number two point guard and carrying the ball. To be most fair of the time. to him though, it's like it's difficult. Right, like when he came in, he wasn't. We didn't get him to run the offense when Lowry's out. Like it, it, it was to like support Van Vliet. Yeah, who was doing that, right? And it's a lot as a point guard to come into a situation like this where the expectations are so high, right? Um, and I really think with him, like his confidence isn't there yet. I know, but again, it comes back to what Brandon said originally that they just need to develop some 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 chemistry. These guys never play together. When they do, it's load management or there's an injury involved. So I'll tell you who has chemistry: Gasol and Lowry. They have more chemistry. Okay, in a few, in a handful of games, than than Lowry and Valanciunas ever had. It is remarkable to me. It, it's so evident, right? Like you put these two intelligent basketball players beside each other, and they just work. The right? only problem is when one has a bad game, it seems like they both do. They well, both, yeah, they both had eight points last night. Lowry went eight, six, and six in forty-two minutes. Like it, they feed almost now off each other's game. In a it's way. that it. Well, it's that pick and roll, right? I feel like our exactly. offense now we have. Uh, it's either like. Iso Leonard or Lowry Gasol pick and roll, but at least we have that. Well, the little stat I'm gonna pull up right now. I read from the Ringer today. Uh, Kyle Lowry's role may be more valuable than Kawhi's because the offense yeah. basically falls apart. Look, you know, Lowry, yeah. you're creating shots for his teammates. Their net rating drops from plus nine point eight in basically seventeen hundred minutes on the floor of Kyle Lowry to minus two point three in what thirteen hundred minutes with them off. Kawhi's presence. Had basically no effect whatsoever. That rating was the same. Base didn't budge. It was plus six and fifteen hundred, and plus four point one in fourteen. So Lowry not on the floor. It's a yeah. detriment to and, the team's identity. And, and, We're thirteen and four in the games that Kawhi's missed this season. Yeah, and just to just to to, to your point there, Brandon. Um, the, 
Jeff Van Gundy, when they when he was interviewed about the Raptors, it was a couple months ago. He's like, you know, Kawhi Leonard is there is the Raptors' best player, but Kyle Lowry is their most important player, and I think that's we're seeing it now for but sure. I, I, <clears throat> So, so last two topics was Breeze Bobby's really quickly. Um, I'll throw this one. I'll finish off a question, Greg. I'm going to throw you one right now. Dwayne Casey, he's throwing a couple chirps, kind of subtle jabs at the Toronto Raptors. Uh, ba- talking to the Athletic, um, thoughts on the Raptors, um, if they want them in the first round. He said, it would mean a lot. This is a storied franchise in Detroit. There are three championship trophies you see every time you walk in the building. It's not like in Toronto where they've never tasted it. The fans in Detroit, they know what a championship is all about. Bow, and it's like let's get this thing back on track from my perspective he just speaking the truth like there's no fucking championship banners in the Raptors I, arena like he, he if anyone can throw some shaders and title to throw some shade to the Raptors it would be doing Casey the guy uh, gave and that's like you know a very little bit of shade I don't I mean when Dwayne Casey gives you a slight like he's such a gentleman that it's like not really a big insult um, and you know he's saying that about the fans there in Detroit mind you like when the last game we were there it was more like a Raptors home game. Exactly. So I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. He was the coach for majority of the time that Toronto was had a chance at a championship. Like if anything, he's kind of chirping himself. We would demolish Detroit in a playoff series. I would love to face Detroit. I think it would be fun because they have that mentality that they can beat us now, especially hey, but, Dwayne Casey. And to your earlier point, why don't we? Why weren't we playing Gasol and Ibaka to match up against Drummond and Griffin? Like. Nurse is like he really wants OG. to try to always go small. Yeah, we had OG guarding uh, Blake Griffin the one night, so that yeah. and he's you know he does a, he did an admirable job, but that's a perfect you know Jack Armstrong said in our interview right like why can't they play together and that would be a matchup to try it. Yeah. Alrighty, we're talking about last topic for the Raptors. We're talking about earlier in the pod about maybe trimming down the rotation come playoff time. Um, you know. Maybe don't have as much depth as we had last season, but there are a couple guys on the fringe. Uh, I know, Christian, you want to have a brief discussion about our options come playoff time. It's obviously going to consist of maybe eight, nine guys. I'm reading what you have jot down right now. You've got the point guard position, Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, shooting guard, Danny Green, small forward, Kawhi, power forward, Pascal, and the centers are obviously Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka. Guys who are kind of uh, on, the, on the fence, though. You know, Boucher. you got OG, Jeremy <laughs> Boucher, <laughs> <laughs> OG and no. Jeremy Lin, you got Norm Powell and Patty McCaw. Uh, how do you see this sort of roster kind of forming come playoff time? And who's on the chopping block? Who's going to lose minutes? Yeah, well, I think Fred Van Vliet and Lowry are going to go back and forth. So the, shoot, the the point guard spot's kind of kind of good, which in my mind takes Jeremy Lin almost out of the discussion. Unless he can tur- keep a look at Jeremy Lin hasn't hit a three yet as a Raptor. So unless he can turn it around a little bit, and I know you said he's still gelling. He's got 17 games to prove that he deserves yeah. to be in the no, playoff. That's going to turn around. Like right? it's going to regress to the mean. Like so he's not that bad. Patrick McCaw doesn't matter. He's not on the rotation in the playoffs. Patrick McCaw, in my mind, is a specialist. So he's a defensive mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. that can actually go for matchups. Let's just say yep. we face someone like, I mean, Golden State. Let's just throw it out there because it's easy. But they have so many offensive weapons. It's somewhere where he could disrupt. Yeah. Let's just say. Powell, I think, is the odd man out because he's been playing so poorly down the stretch, although he's streaky. You just can't afford to have him have a bad streak in the playoffs, so he's out. The, the, the hard one for me is OG, and OG has been used a lot. I think Nick Nurse, in, down the stretch in the last couple of games, has been really trying to push OG to be that guy he's that's going to be mm-hmm. it, the playoff rotation for us because I truly think of everyone I mentioned, he's got the best chance to make it, but honestly, at this point, McCaw's in the lead. Like McCall would be my number one guy out of those to round out our playoff rotation. And it's we all predicated on the matchup as well, though, right? You know, yeah, McCall and Obi. I think that's the length. I think OG's got to play. Like, but just from a thing. development we're not, perspective. We're man. not going to give him a chance in the playoff to play. If he's not playing well in the first five minutes, we probably won't play again. But I, I also feel like part of the reason he, like, when he struggles, right? Like, because our offense, like, we're trying to get up so many threes, like, that's not OG's game, you know? And, like, so I feel like, you know, he'll shoot a couple threes, and then his confidence will be affected. His three-point shoot's gotten much better. Yep. Um, but I, I, I think he's improved a lot. As a, he, we, he's growing. He is growing. Uh, I think he had a, a death in his family. Uh, you could see it affected him. He missed some time. But I want to see OG in the playoffs. Right, he's such an athletic defender, man, and he played good last year in the playoffs. And again, we drafted him. We got to develop him. You need time to grow. 
So if you play OG, then you have no problem with it's definitely Powell and Lynn not playing because McCaw is probably going to be the next guy, right? Let's I don't that. understand what's going on with Powell. Like when he came back from that injury, he was playing within himself. Uh, I'd never seen him play so good, and I thought he turned the corner. And now, ever since the trade, it's like he he, you know, feels like he has to prove something, or it it just disrupted his rhythm. Uh, I'm I'm not quite sure, but. No, I agree. Yeah, I'm concerned about him. So, I mean, in the end, I think it's McCall. Greg thinks it's Greg, It's Chris Boucher. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Brandon thinks it's Jeremy Lin because he's half Asian. All right, moving on. You're also half Asian, <laughs> so two to one. Fuck you, Gumsh. Um, so... Jumping in the second quarter, just general NBA news really quickly, guys. So Golden State Warriors have gone three and five over the past two weeks of losses to Orlando, who are surging in Miami Heat are pretty shit, um, as well as Houston and Portland. The NBA's best offense dropped down to 21st in the league during that stretch, with the team's defense dropping to 27th in efficiency, which is worse than the Atlanta Hawks, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Phoenix Suns. Yikes. Uh, after failing to score 100 points for the second time in three games, are the Golden State Warriors starting to show signs of vulnerability? And on the flip side, after last night's win by Boston, did they keep themselves in discussion as a contender after posting a fucking horrendous 1-5 record before last night after the All-Star break? Um, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I think by stomping the Warriors like that at home, they reminded themselves and the rest of the league that they still... Uh, are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Uh, I I don't think they're going to come out of the East uh, because what you saw last night, I think, was a bit of an aberration because Gordon Hayward had such a good game. Um, and that's the thing. People talk about, you know, oh, the Celtics have so much talent. Like, they're so talented. They, you know, they, they can't keep this up. They got to break out of this. Um, with a healthy Gordon Hayward as an all-star, yeah, they're really, really talented. When you take him out of that, yeah, which happens once every seven games. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like without, like you know, what I mean, people are envisioning this team with that second All Star, maybe a third All Star, in Jason Tatum. But the reality is, Tatum didn't take the leap. Brown regressed, and Gore and and Hayward is is recovering from a major injury, and it's going to take him some some time. On top of that, you know, you have Kyrie Irving just stirring the pot. To stir in the pot. He's telling people, oh, I don't want to be a... I'm not in this to be a celebrity. You were in a movie last year, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and and on the point of uh, the Warriors, I think... Because they attacked Boogie last night. Well, so let's save it to the Celtics for now. Let's sure, up to the Warriors sure. for a second. Christian, any other comments about the Celtics? Yeah, so I... See, I think it's a little bit... You said earlier that Boston has convinced himself that they're... Maybe. You know, I, I think that's... I think it's more for the media than anything else. Like Ky- they're playing in a back-to-back. Kyrie's not playing tonight. If you listen to the which means inter- they'll play well. From, well, I mean, or hard. If you listen to the interviews, my only point here is that Kyrie is 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 speaking as if he is one of the greatest to play the game. He keeps saying, "I'm one of the best." Me, LeBron, and Durant are are, are on the top of the game right now. We're on another level. Well, even He's the hierarchy, speaking, of the yeah. point guard position, like he got toasted by Damian Lillard yes. when they played the Blazers. Uh, he, but his mentality and the way he sees himself is just, I don't know, like him leaving Cleveland and doing all that is, in my mind now, especially if he leaves Boston, is almost as snaky as as Kevin Durant joining the Warriors. And that's, I thought, one of the biggest snake moves. I just don't think Kyrie's mentally there. You guys say LeBron's sort of checked out, which we're going to talk about yeah, later. Yeah, but LeBron but has earned that re- re- that respect. If LeBron James is a leader, right? Similar, I agree. If as LeBron is big brothering, you know, Kuzma, if he's big brothering Ingram, they got to shut their fucking mouth and listen to it because LeBron James, 34 years old, been, been in the league for 15 plus years. Kyrie Irving, the other side, is an unproven player who's never led a team to the champion, the NBA, like the NBA championship. Yeah. He's been a complimentary piece, but he's never sort of carved the career same as James. And you look at the body language from the younger guys like Terry Rogier, Jalen Brown, even fucking oh, uh, Jason. Down. Tatum, they like they're, the they're just down. shut the fuck up, yeah. like stop talking to me. I Even look at that roster contract. Like Marcus Morris had a great couple months to start the season. That guy's looked like complete dog shit last couple months. Just the lack of trades they made, you know. Even like like just like depreciating assets. Jalen Brown was a thirty nine percent three point shooter last year. The guy's shooting just over thirty percent this season. I think honestly, Kyrie's upset that they didn't trade for Anthony Davis, and I think that that trade we talk about. Everybody talks in the media right now about how the Lakers locker room is is all shook because all these players were involved in trades. It happened. 
happened in Boston too. They were all rumored as well. I mean, I know mm-hmm. the fact mm-hmm. that they couldn't have made the trade is there, but everyone's worried about it. Everyone knows that that's going to happen. I think if anything, in Kyrie's mind, he's just he's stuck in a position right now where he knows he's not in the best team. He he. Well, he's nothing he can do about it do you more think he's himself. Leave? I think he's well, gone. We, we talked really we do. talked about this last year before the season started, though. We were talking, sorry, just going back this for the Celtics last point. Yeah. Um, before we jump to this, but we talked about this last season. They 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 had so many Hayward was out, Irving was out, this young group of scrappy guys and combination events band together and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals to game seven. You know, coming into the offseason, we were just having the, the conversation of how do we fit so many pieces? How do you stagger the minutes? You know what I mean? How do you how how does this team what is this team gonna look like, you know, with with having to incorporate Hayward and Irving when it comes to the contract of the roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, this is a classic example of just having too many stars. You know, you got to think about what is the best path, best path to success? Is it maybe limiting Kyrie Irving's minutes? Maybe just benching the guy? I know it's a very far-fetched thing to say. Kyrie's still one of the best point guards in the NBA. But Greg, is that, is that insane for you to say that in order for this team to succeed, you got to cut down Hayward's minutes, cut down Irving's minutes, find a way to find the best lineup Come playoff time, regardless of the dollars behind their name. Well, no, not the money like, they're making. I know. I mean, I, Hayward's already kind of been uh, put on the bench, and and he's accepted his role, right? I, I think. Look, you got you got Irving. Like at this point, what you got is what you got. Like you can't start to then give Irving less minutes and and just hope that that those other guys are going to bring it up. Like you got to go behind Irving. Right, because and bottom line is like he's a guy that can still hit big shots late in games. He's one of the best performers late in games, and in the playoffs, that's what you need to win, right? So they're kind of stuck with him in that sense. Um, it's going to be interesting if they perform well in the playoffs, right? Does he stay? Because as of, as of now, it seems as though he's gone. It seems yeah, people are acting like he's just gone. I think he's gone. I hope so. I just like turmoil in Boston, but like, and, and, who knows? And what does this say? The absolute last point about Boston. What does it say about Brad Stevens as a coach? Because last year he was coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, he got it over to Wayne Casey at the All-Star break. I remember everyone was wondering who's, it's gonna, who's it going to be. Uh, now it's kind of like there's a lot of turmoil. The team yeah. hasn't been playing well. The fans aren't happy. Well, the Kyrie no- yeah. might leave. What, the knock, what does well, that the say? Well, the knock now on Stevens is that he can perform with a team that's that that's desperate and plucky, right? That you know the the underdogs, the little giants, if you will. But he can't manage big time superstar egos, a la my man Phil Jackson. Well, we'll see what happens next. They should year, bring but... in Phil. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Thirty million a year. Strong, strong. That's all. That's a, that's a Soul of success. Yeah, like fucking like Phil will come in and be like, "I got this new CBD oil company I've been working with." Promo code <laughs> Phil. At, uh, <laughs> no, of the Celtics. So like this season, just like <laughs> the last, last, last point about Are the Celtics. Sure? <laughs> um, just next season, you know, we got player options of Al Horford, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's obviously leaving. Al might just ship and go to a can make all the fucking Golden State Warriors on a cheap discount contract, similar to Boogie Cousins to get that championship ring. Um, we might be talking about. A team that's rebuilding next season. If, if both Crazy. those guys leave, Crazy. I don't think it'd be far fetched to say they don't make the playoffs in 2019, 2020 with a core of what Tatum, Brown, and, and, and Hayward. Hayward yeah. The corpse of Hayward. Hopefully, he can come back next season and be the same guy it was a couple years ago. Alrighty, uh, I know we were going to talk about the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I'm just going to say quickly that I'm not worried about them at all. Uh, I've been a Warriors fan <laughs> the Warrior, for a okay. long time. <laughs> Let me just throw this in here slightly. I, I just literally, <laughs> everyone's freaking out because, you know, they lost to Boston or whatever. They yeah, lost they're, they're three of the last five. Exactly. It's the regular season. But Don't look into it too okay, much. Okay, here's the thing, though. Uh, can they win playing Boogie at the five? Because yes. you see what Boston did last night? They ran a 1-5 uh, a pick and roll again and again. Basically like what teams do to us when we used to put on Valanchunas. Yeah, but you also did have Sean Livingston and Clay Thompson line exactly. up, but also they can adjust, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah. The they can hurt lineup. you. It's... They can make you pay on the other end. Yeah. Is there anything yeah. else you guys want to talk about with the Warriors? Foregone conclusion, the winning championship. There's no parity yo, in the Houston, NBA anymore. Yo, Houston, stop it. Stop Houston it. Houston and OKC stop. can give them a run. Oh, my God. I hope to God. 
<laughs> at least take I think them to at least take one or two games. No, make no, it an interesting at, le- series. at least the Raptors. I think we need to reach. I have to face them in the finals. That's yeah. the least that has to happen. Yeah, my my goal is just to see the Warriors drop one game in the playoffs. That's a win for for I don't know who actually. <laughs> Houston. That's that's the, right. that's the team that's going to do it to me. So I'm going to hand over my uh, hosting duties over to Gregory Urashadis, who's got this bewildered look in his eyes right now. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Greg, not the biggest college hoops guy, more about the Raptors. I mean, Zion, game. man. Um, <laughs> Grafton and I are going to do our top 10 NBA mock draft right now. Um, obviously, I'm going to be like the uber hipster pick guy and piss off Grafton with several of my selections, but obviously, they're all going to come true. We've talked about the lot. We've been doing this for two years now. How many fucking picks have I hit off? Not hugging on Marvin Bagley a little bit too much over here. I'm kidding. And we did a quick recap of the picks that we both had, and I think I'm, I'm doing okay with, with my picks. I think the Jaron Jackson Juniors and the Wendell Carters of the world that Brandon picked are are looking pretty dull right now to the Trey Youngs and the Marvin Bagleys that I selected. Hey, yeah, they're coming up now. You're right. Although Luka Doncic, I, yeah, I grant you both. Yeah, that's the biggest one, okay? But uh, excluding Luka Doncic. Excluding the most important conversation or prediction with the draft last year, I won. Um, All right, so who's going number one? Pick. What team do we got here, Greg? Going first in the Toronto Sport Matters mock draft. Uh, Sponsored by by Diamond Pizza. Is Christian Graffin. Christian, who you got? What team? What team, bro? Got, oh, it's the Phoenix Sun. Sorry, I didn't say no, it's it the, is the Phoenix it's Sun. It's the New York Knicks scoring number one, by the way. I gave you guys a list and no one was listening to me. So New York Knicks going number one. It's already off the rails of Greg. Uh, That's why I don't host. <laughs> so number one, New York Knicks going over to Christian Graff. And you go to me? You and I have the same guy, so I'll just give it you to you right really? now. Yeah. yeah, one, two, three. Zion Williamson. Williamson. Okay, good. There we go. Good, 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 uh, good. Talking about just a big physical stud, a monster. Uh, just oh, you, you do the draft profile. You Big Zion? Big Zion. Come on, Graffin. Show the people or let the people hear about Zion Williamson. Why he's a transcendent star and why he should be the number one overall pick. Yeah, in, in my mind, there's never been an athlete that we've seen like this in college. It's as if LeBron James decided to go to college and didn't go straight to the And NBA. just eat the entire right? fucking time. Because I, <laughs> I honestly do believe that right now, this year, if he was in the NBA, I think he'd be averaging at least 10 and 10. I truly do believe that. And I think he'd be one of those players that... First of all, you have to select him first because he's going to bring at least three amazing dunks to the game and energize the crowd and be the fan favorite. From a business perspective. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So Marketing. look, it's the New York Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. New York Knicks are planning on getting Kyrie Irving. They're planning on getting Kevin Durant. Who slots in more perfectly than someone like Zion Williamson, who in his first year doesn't need the ball to shoot. He just needs to get the rebounds that they miss and put back the dunk through the legs. Like, that's all they need right now. New York needs the showtime. I think Zion Williamson, in my mind, has been the most impressive prospect I've seen. He's a definition of an incredibly high-ceiling, super-low floor. This guy could be an absolute dud coming into the season. I don't think so at all. I don't think but I also thought think, of it. But I also think he's a guy who can transcend the nature of the game. I think he's a unicorn. Uh, I think he's a once-in-a-generation type talent that you have to take a gamble on. I think the biggest cause for concern is the amount of weight that guy's put on the last couple of years. We're talking about 100, 100 pounds in about two years. <laughs> so, you're obviously putting a lot of mass on the 6'7 frame. I don't know if his knees he's going to have knee issues, ankle issues. This is all speculation, but Zion's my lock for number one. Um, I guess we'll go down to number two, Greg. Who do you, what's number two? What team? Number two, we got the Phoenix Suns. All right, so I'll take this one. Uh, my number two pick for the Phoenix Suns, uh, I'm going uh, the point guard position, and I'm going for that 6'4", 3-point guard, Jay Morant from hey, Murray State. same with me. Uh, currently averaging 24 points per game, shooting 50% from the field, dropping just over 10 dimes, five and a half rebounds, pretty well-rounded skill set, two steals per game as well, so he's a pretty tenacious defender. Uh, you're talking about a transcendent playmaker, a guy who can find any, like anyone pinpoint pass on the court. Um, obviously, the Number one skill set you're looking for at a, a point guard, but he's also a transcendent athlete. I know you keep dropping that word again, double transcendent, but Russell Westbrook type athleticism cutting to the lane as well. And again, his shooting stats are not that horrendous. You talk about point guards in college, you know, Colin Sexton, for example, last year, Shea Gillis Alexander typically struggled to mm. shoot from the outside. Guy has a 34% three point average. I know he's not playing against the most elite competition in his conference in Murray State, but again, the guy has all the tools to become, you know, I'm not saying one of the best, the best point guard in the NBA, but based on the Phoenix Suns' needs and that skill set. See, that's 
I was going to say. Perfect right combination there. of Devin Booker. Yeah, this, you're, you pick the same? I, I concur. I have the exact same pick as Brandon. And I think exactly, I'm going to go off the point that you were sort of going there at the end, is that the Suns this year, the biggest problem with them is they don't have a point guard. Like Eric Bledsoe has been the main, per- or sorry, not Eric Bledsoe, um, uh, Devin, Devin Booker, Booker has been the person that's been carrying the ball for them up the court most of the time. So I think that, like you said, he's a Westbrook-type player. I don't think he's as talented, but he certainly has the... I think I think in the NBA, especially in the point guard position, he's got the at least ability to be a really defensive, pesky sort of Patrick Beverly type of player at mm-hmm. the minimum. So yeah, I'm taking him number two, uh, just like you would. And I think because it, it, it's between him and RJ Barrett, who I have next, because I'm going to move on right there. But I, I do think that the Suns don't need another player like that because he's too much like Devin Booker. And moving on to the third pick Spoiler alert. in the TSM draft, and we will, this is the Cleveland Cavaliers picking, by the way, and Graffin, you want to get us started? Here? Yeah, so I'm going with RJ Barrett. Um, uh, Cleveland might be a little scared of drafting Canadian players, but they do have a history of doing it with ben- Bennett and Wiggins. Um, oh, Bennett. I, I, <laughs> I do think, that's why I think they might be scared, but I do think RJ Barrett is one of those players that... Could he's, easily be the number one pick this year. He's a sure thing. He, yeah. he, he no, could, I disagree. He's not a sure. I thing. don't think he's a sure thing because of his shooting, and I think that's been his biggest, also his consistency this year. Hmm. However, I have the Canadian lenses on, and I want to believe that he's going to be that good. Uh, I, I think low end ceiling for him is sort of Andrew Wiggins. I hate to say it because I think he's. <sighs> I don't know about that. I think he's talented enough to. I be think at it's least a lot. Listen, Andrew man, Wiggins. I had a lot of love for RJ coming this season. He he's not my number three, and I don't think his lowest possible. I don't think his floor is Andrew Wiggins. I think it's a lot lower. I think the issue with RJ is that sort of you know alpha male mentality every single night, feeling like he has to carry the team's offense, carry the burden of the team every single game. Like he, he the same amount of shots he forces up. Why I pick Zion number one is that he runs fluid with the game. You know, his points he's are very forced, unselfish. Very unselfish, but he's also not forcing up shots. You're not stopping the flow. Of the teams, you know, of the team going into the game, like RJ does that. RJ just—it seems like he has to stop. He has issues creating separation and creating his own shot as well. But Struggles on the half court as well. He's an incredibly gifted guy, but like he came in the season with a hypothetical upside of being a point forward playmaker type. Hasn't developed his playmaking skill or ball handling skills, and he's just forcing up shots. And I can't see him making like having the ball handling skills to create separation in the NBA if he can't do it in college. Okay, I'm gonna say quickly. He's scoring over 27 points per game against top 10 teams this season. <laughs> he does well against the the good players. He's also averaging 25 points. All right, so. 54% shooting when Zion's not playing. So I agree he's taking over games. He's also getting eight rebounds and six assists. So my guy, my guy for Cleveland number numbers. three, based on their current roster contract, you're talking about Sadari Osman, you'll call him Sexton, Kevin Love. A guy that I don't think has the same sort of ceiling as RJ Barrett, but I think his floor is a lot higher. And I think he's going to be, at the worst case scenario, a very, very competent 3 and D guy, similar in the same mold as Trevor Ariza, is Texas Tech's shooting guard, Jared Culver, six foot five shooting guard. Um, just your post typical 3 and D, long, lanky frame, two-way wing, uh, kind of a do-it-all player. Apparently, he's still growing, 6'5 to start the season. Mm. I think he measured just below 6'7 recently as well. So the guy is still putting on bulk. He's still growing. He couldn't max out at 6'9". Can shoot all over the floor. Good score off the dribble. Decent playmaker. Good rebounder. Just a solid athlete and player all around. I, I just think you got to take a very safe pick there. I wouldn't be surprised if they took RJ as well. And I, I, I'm not saying that pick's wrong. I just think Jarrett Culver's would be my personal pick. I would trade down then if I were there. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think that, that that's going to be a popular right, top three. Moving on to the number four pick with the Chicago Bulls. Brandon, so, who you got? So I'm drafting Fernie in the situation. I don't think Chris Dunn's the fucking solution to point guard for them. And I, I, I was watching tape as kind of a start of the season. I was watching tape him again. It's a guy who had a pretty bad meniscus injury, but it's Darius Garland, point guard from Vanderbilt, six foot two point four? guard, uh, average sixty points per game to start the season. Obviously, there's lingering issues with his meniscus, meniscus tear. But if he comes back healthy, if all the tests come back positive, he's a top five guy. Uh, similar to Trey Young, shoot first mentality. Maybe not as a competent three point shooter as Trey. Young, but a way like way more way better athlete, I think, will translate better to the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, capable of creating space with strong strong ball handling skills, and also the fact that they're locked in Otto Porter Jr. I would say Otto, you know, RJ Barrett 
would be the most sensible guy to pick for the Bulls. But since they traded for Otto Porter Jr., I think RJ wouldn't be a great fit for that team. And I like Garland over any other point guard in this draft. I know I don't I don't think I'm reaching that much of Garland. I was watching this guy play. I know his hype coming in, five star recruit from high school. The guy you know, has been performing at all levels of his career so far. Uh, so how come you don't have him above Jared Culver then? Huh? How come you don't have him above Jared Culver? Because they have he's a point guard. Colin Sexton is already a point guard for the Game Cavaliers. I have Culver and Sexton in the backcourt, and the Chicago Bulls either by the front court. I think Levine and Garland would be a good front court. We got Kraft. Or backcourt, sorry. Okay, because I have Jared Culver Culver going to the Bulls. Yeah. And I, like I said, like you that's said. Not a, that's not a bad fit. I'm not saying that's like a, like a Culver is a better fit than Barrett because Culver is more of a Swiss Army knife. RJ Barrett's very sort of rigid in his skill set. Yeah, and like you said, with Chris Dunn, he's unproven yeah. right now. Chris Dunn, you're right. I, at this point, you gotta think, career, but Chris Dunn, to But Chris Dunn got him. drafted as a senior at the age of 23. The guy's like 26 now. Like he, it's, it's similar to DeLon Wright. You yeah. know, like it's on, yeah. it's on a young buck coming in the league, right? But I still think that you could slot both they're, they're, look, they're so young and they're not that good. The Bulls that you could play Culver at the two, and you can easily play Chris Dunn at the one, and then switch them, transition them as much as they want. So I think if anything, you just want to give Culver as much space as possible. Mm-hmm. The Bulls, in my mind, are a bad drafting team. Um, you got Culver though, right? But I do have Culver as my third pick. Yeah. Okay, because uh, I was going to say because five. Yeah. Just last point here: if they, if I like, let's say that I was going to pick RJ, that would have to make Otto Porter Jr. side of the four. They've already invested draft capital, Larry Marcanon and Wendell Carter. It would make no sense to have one of those guys coming up. The bench. I, I still think if you're in the top five of the draft, you draft the best player. You don't draft for your needs. Moving on to five, we got the Atlanta Hawks. Graph, we got. So I don't know. I, I was gonna say we probably have the well, same mi- player here. Do you mind if I go go first on this one? Do you want to go want to do the same thing before? No, no, because this is gonna be. I I know exactly who it's gonna be. Okay. Um, I'm going um, R.J. Barrett. Okay. I'll give you number five. I'll, I'll before I get into this. Okay. So I like in my mind, there's no way he slides to the fifth. Uh, R.J. Barrett. So. Okay, so I have Cam Reddish here, and I think that the whole issue with with Cam Reddish and why I think he'll drop this far is because, first of all, the whole Zion Williams thing, Williamson to Duke has kind of really ruined the draft prospect of him and R.J. Barrett. Yeah, had all they the gone, hype. Yeah, had they gone elsewhere, honestly, they all would have been in the mix. They all would have been crushing it for their teams. Mm-hmm. And when Cameron Reddish now has got the chance, like when Zion hasn't played and they've gone to him, he hasn't performed well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because it's a product of this year year he's been the number three option yeah so he's not used to it exactly so, so i gotta ask him to come out i gotta do guy he has the talent though cam reddish is still before this season started again keep in mind zion rj barrett and cam reddish were like number one two and three draft prospects coming out of high school and they yeah. all decided to go yeah there. very I poor decision think, for all of them to go to I, the same program i i fully agree with you uh, going number five is another Duke guy. It's R.J. Barrett. Uh, we just talked about him already. Six foot seven shooting guard, small forward from Duke. Uh, we just mentioned twenty three points per game, seven rebounds, four assists. Pretty well rounded skill set. I always talk about his deficiencies. Uh, could develop a bit of a ball hog where his points are forced. I mentioned the Zion point as well. But if they do land R.J. Barrett, it's a perfect like like trifecta to what the Atlanta Hawks currently have in the roster. Complement the Trey Young in the backcourt, him and R.J. Barrett and Collins as well, the center position. That's a fucking fantastic core to build around um and i don't know hopefully they can drop down to five i uh, going up did the number six we got the vancouver grizzlies the memphis grizzlies <laughs> <laughs> they'll always be the vancouver grizzlies uh, to me. i got number six i guess uh i got uh from gonzaga six foot eight forward rui hachimaira rui um, there's the half asian that we're representing from japan he's not, i don't think he's half asian no, he's Asian. Just the name. No, he's born in Japan. He's not Asian, though. No, he's, he's full Surinamese. Asian. Where does that name come from? <laughs> he's from Suran, Sur, Suriname? I can't I can pronounce it. Suriname. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But his family, I think like, I think he was basically born in Suriname and moved immediately yeah, no, to no, Japan. You can, but he looks mixed. I don't know what um, you're talking about. Currently averaging 20 and a half points per game, six and a half rebounds, uh, shooting 61% from the field, shooting a blistering 46% from the three. So that's only one attempt per game. So you'd like to see him develop his three point stroke a bit more. But he already has an NBA frame, long and lanky, great on the transition, beautiful rip and runner. Um, has the tools to be an elite lockdown NBA, uh, all NBA defender. Um, obviously, the offensive game's a little bit iffy. He has a very similar size and frame to Marvin Bagley. Uh, unlike Marvin Bagley, who has a transcendent um, offensive game, 
uh, Rui has been struggling a little bit, but he has been getting the points in college. Worst case scenario, multi-positional defender. Who do you got at six? Um, so FYI, he was born in Japan. But moving was he? On, oh, <laughs> but that's wait, like like I'm Japanese, but I'm born in Canada. I wouldn't like say like, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, Japan. No, oh, he, okay. he's got some Japanese in him. I mean, he was born there. But anyway, moving on. Um, I okay, I like Rui Hachimura. He's the best player on the best team in the nation right now, in my mind. So it's hard to yeah, well said. It's hard to ignore that. It's like a Jalen Brunson kind of player from last year, right? Like, and I think he's doing really well on Dallas. So yeah, he, he's a player where I don't know exactly how great he'll be. NBA wise, but I think he's just too, uh, he's shown too much that you can ignore. But I don't have Rui. I have DeAndre Hunter here. And the reason why is the exact opposite of that. I think DeAndre Hunter is perfect for the NBA. He's your prototypical 3 and D player. Worst comes to worst, he's going to be an absolute terror on Where defense. does he play, Hunter? But uh, DeAndre Virginia. Hunter is on Virginia. Yeah, Six on foot Virginia. seven, Virginia. small forward, uh, averaging 15.5 points per game, five yeah. rebounds, two assists, shooting grab, 54%. Just, just, yeah. just to keep us going here, then the next pick is with the Wizards. Who you got with the Wiz? Well, with the Wizards, I have Nazir Little. And uh, sorry, number see? six of the Grizzlies, you have uh, DeAndre. I have DeAndre Hunter. And then number yep. seven, you have Nasir Little from North Carolina. Little. And Nasir Little has shown very little this year. Um, but you talk about raw skill set. No one, you know, one blows you away more than Nasir Little. Yes. Especially oh. before the season. Although, if you look at his stats, you'd be like, why is this guy even considered in the top 10? Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the difference between between things. He's not that big. He's going he's gonna to be maybe a center on a small ball rotation in the NBA, right? He's not hes not a big guy at all, really, for, for the position that he plays. And I think that's hard transition. Look at anybody who's been a smaller player but's dominated college and then has had to come to the NBA and try to do the same thing. It's never really happened. The transition's really hard. So I think, again, I, I think that the Wizards are a very bad or a very poor team that drafts as well. So I think they're going to go with Nazir and take a chance. Because mm-hmm. right now, everyone else left on the board's guards and they have Bradley Beal and John Wall. They're not really going to... You know, it's hard for I in my like Darius Garland would be the only other person they could pick here or Bull Bull. So Brand, who you got? Number seven, uh, Washington Wizards. I got Cam Reddish. Uh, I think he can slide the three position as well. We just talked about him averaging 14 points per game and shooting 36% from the field. So the shot's obviously not falling in, but great size for two-card position, strong isolation player, fully capable of creating his own shot, uh, point forward potential skill set. Um, com- decent ball handles, versatile defender, can probably switch from the one to three. It's like an auto portal. Um, he goes cold for stretches. He kind of gets lost in the game. Um, you can, and he definitely avoids contact when he's obviously driving down the lane and uh, just lacks intensity overall on both sides of the court. He just seems like he takes so many plays off. Uh, and I, I, That's kind of alarming in college, right? You want to see a little bit more intensity, a little bit more energy on the court. It's just that Duke syndrome. Three, yeah. three superstars. At number eight, the Atlanta Hawks. So I'll go this one quickly. I got the Atlanta Hawks. We just talked about this guy already. It's From Deon- Dallas in the Trey Young trade, by the so way. So that's DeAndre Hunter. Um, just impacts both sides of the court. We talked about this already. But defensive versatility, solid size on the perimeter, good strength in the low post, great mechanics from three. Um, uh, you know, he's not really shooting from the clip you'd like to see from his position, his point of his career, especially coming back uh, for a second year. But he could develop into a very solid 3 and D complementary star. Shaw rebounded for position. Versatility that like most teams and all teams covered in the modern game. Um, I guess the only like limited thing would be he's an older prospect. His ceiling's not as high as some of the guys like Nasir Little, who I, I have going him after, going after him. But uh, I, I, I like DeAndre Hunter. He got an eight. Graf, what do you got at eight? I have Bull Bull. And oh. I, I know that he's going to have to spend a full season probably uh, on the sidelines which is fine for Atlanta. They can come last again and keep getting another draft pick and keep developing their players. They're so young, right? Like yeah. Trey Young's 20. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. so young that they could easily afford, they're the only team that could really afford, in my mind, to stash someone who's in this top 10 mm-hmm. like him because they can just wait it out, right? So again, imagine if Trey Young pans out like he is, like to the Steph Curry potential, and mm. Bull Bull actually turns out into being a 7-2 rim-stopping player. That's a hard my, one to My only issue with Bull Bull is that he, I don't know if he'll be able to put on the size to be able to handle the rigors of playing in the low post in the NBA. You could yeah, that the low as well. isn't what it was, right? Still, see, though, still. Like, and I don't think he has the speed to be able to... Holy fuck. Well, uh, get these really <laughs> skinny, weak dudes because there's no more contact. I hey, don't, No, you're right. Next, there's, there's not too many tweeners in the NBA anymore, but he's ne- still a tweener. Next pick here, not number nine, we got the Pels. Graf, who you got? I have Darius Garland uh, with the Pels, and I think Darius Garland's... One of the most talented, like you said earlier, Drew can slide to the Drew two positions. Slide to the two. Well. Exactly, yeah. he's that's his natural position. So for me, that's an obvious pick. 
Um, number nine, my favorite player from the draft, uh, from the Indiana Hoosiers, Hoosiers? Uh, Romeo Langford, six foot six shooting Ew. guard, seventeen points per game. Uh, obviously struggling from the three point percent three point line, but he has. Like he he's basically Markel Fultz. What I envision out of Markel Fultz coming out of college. I know it's a very fucked up comp to put up, but the guy he's got great size position. Guy's probably the most natural score out of anybody there uh in the top five, right? I'm sorry, in the top ten. Um obviously he struggles the three point line, but I think he could develop into an absolute fucking stud. And I think the Pelicans in this situation need to draft a guy like that. He's my biggest bust pick. And and gra- uh Brandon, moving on here. We got the Timberwolves at the number 10 spot. Or, Graf, you want to take this yeah, first, so I, eh? I have Rui here, so I took the Japanese-born player here. Uh, he's, again, he's the best player on the best team. Yeah. Um, I think the Timberwolves can't really afford too much of a risk at this point. The residue of winning, right? Like, yeah. dudes that have won at high levels... That's a great pick. If he falls to 10, that's a perfect selection for him because I got Saku Dumboya from France going number 10. And I just like the hypothetical upside. He's very similar to, you know, like... Uh, like Jonathan Isaac, a little bit larger, like OG Ananobi. He's going to be a project. The guy's not going to, you know, obviously be a day one starter. Give him a couple years, but he's a perfect complimentary piece. He's the big, is he Towns. the biggest international prospect? I think this he is year? in this draft. And right. I would say if it wasn't uh, for. Um for uh, Rui, I would have probably put Jackson Hayes here just because he's so raw and I think they need a backup plan for Carl Anthony Towns. For sure. And we're, we're obviously going to come back throughout the season and uh, change up our... Like, the tournament's coming up. Uh, this is not set in stone. Um, but I'll watch the tournament. I will watch the tournament. We're making a bracket. Alright, so let's finish our podcast with Diamond Pizza's number one sponsor Love segment, that. Greg's Gripe. Oh, well, yeah. No, but this is actually really interesting because I came in here and I wanted to gripe about all the fucking coverage about the Celtics and the Lakers. I don't understand this. Okay, You have a team like the Milwaukee Bucks doing something almost unprecedented, right? Since like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. Okay? Uh, followed by a team like the Raptors, right? Also having a phenomenal season. And and then a team like Denver. Okay, so you have these three quote-unquote smaller market teams that are, that are really great stories. On top of that, you have a team like Indiana doing phenomenal without their best player, right? You, you, you got a, the Brooklyn Nets are another great story. But all you see, all you see on TV... Like stories upon stories about the what's wrong with the Celtics? Who's to blame for the Lakers? So this was my gripe that I had planned to go into this, right? And then as I explained this, we got into somewhat of a debate regarding the Lakers and who is to blame and how culpable is one. We can't escape talking about. And you just can't escape. Talking about, but but Graf, please please tell me that you sympathize with with what I'm saying. It's like even if the team does badly, they're still the number one talking point. You know what? You know what, Nation? Maybe the Celtics just aren't that fucking good. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yes, I agree with you. But the Lakers got LeBron James. Yeah, He's the best player a- in the planet. Right. So no, there's definite gossip there. Okay? I think people like seeing Boston fail. And people like seeing LeBron fail, specifically. So, therefore, it's very easy for people to pick up on this whole Lakers are, you know, the worst, or Boston's the worst, and they people will go hammer it home. But our conversation turned a little different, right? Because we ended up talking about the Lakers, like you said, and Yeah, specifically- so in my gripe about complaining about this as the only thing to talk about, we are now going to debate... Specifically it, regarding L.A., okay? Because Brandon and Graf then started going back and forth about... You know, how how much blame here falls on the king? See, and in my mind... 50-50. So Brandon, Brandon, okay, so before we started, though... Before I made my points, you were you said you were you were one hundred percent. It's on the king. No, you, so I'll just go first. You you okay? ch- you change my per, my perspective, but it's still on LeBron James. Okay, so fifty one forty nine. Just because I'm a spiteful asshole. <laughs> okay, well, so, okay, so okay. <laughs> my my quick points were that it can't be LeBron's fault that the Lakers as an organization have done absolutely jack all 
when they since they signed. Him. How dare you? you How I fucking can't. dare you disparage Rojan Rondo yet again on this podcast? God, I would, you don't like Javali McGee? I would punch L- Lance Rondo Stevenson. In the face. is a fucking legend. Born ready. What are we? What are we talking about here? Let's These guys are icons. Okay, Michael Buzz- Beasley. If you could see huh? the vein on Yvonne, on his forehead Yvonne, right now, Yvonne Zubac. What you didn't think this team was going to be a contender to start Michael the season? Beasley, yeah. Imagine saying Dan Gilbert is uh, is a looks like a good GM or a good. You, oh, you know what's hilarious? Because like, that's what Magic's doing. No, the funniest thing was like, was like, is doing. They, got, they got Tyson Chandler for the Phoenix Suns. Like, oh my yeah. God. How, fucking James Jones just gave him the championship. Eh. What the fuck? The corpse, the Rondo, seven foot Lance three Stevenson, fucking skeleton Michael Beasley. I can go down the list. You want to Cleveland signed Kevin Love this summer that they got LeBron James. Yeah, they traded for him, yeah. They traded for yeah. Kevin Love that yeah. summer. Miami okay. already had Chris okay. Bosh. You but, can't, as an organization, as LeBron James gets older, you have to plan around him. It's okay. If he picks your team, it's a blessing. Now fucking figure it out. Okay, but now, hold on. Now, that being said, though, they were on Christmas, right? Fourth place in the West. Yeah, and well, then, he was then, playing. Okay, yeah. Now, and then, and, and there's multiple things that happen. Obviously, he gets injured, and but they actually, just when he first got injured, they were actually playing okay. But to me, like the biggest way that LeBron is culpable for where they're at is because of the way that him and his agent tried to force a trade. Because what happened was all those young dudes on the Lakers that were playing so hard for him and covering up for his defensive deficiencies stopped doing it because... Right, it's, they realize. Yo, Greg, it's it's easy when you're in Cleveland to go to a guy like Kevin Love and say, "I need you to sacrifice for the importance of the team, the bigger picture, winning a championship." You can't say this to young, unproven guys who are trying to emerge and figure who they are in the no, NBA. No, but they you were can't doing go to Brandon Ingram. No, but I'm saying you can't go to Brandon Ingram and you can't go to Kyle Kuzma with the expectation that they're going to sort of embrace a, the, the team construct similar to what Cleveland did. But they the, did. It was only when they it was only when they were going to be traded that they stopped. They doing did it, to a certain degree. I I think this is all a small screen sighing all these fucking idiots and these morons I know I was mentioned before on the podcast but that that's my opinion LeBron James came in this season and he wanted to completely flip the script get rid of every single person on the roster especially the young guys and bring in proven veterans but if he came in day one and completely took over the identity of the organization and forced the team to flip you know Ingram Kuzma Ball etc he would look like a megalomaniac lunatic so he forced the team to sign these playmakers who he said justified by saying like I want to have more they ball signed movement. Rondo and Stevenson before exactly. they signed LeBron though what are you talking no, about no 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 but that was they knew LeBron had had reached yeah. out to them prior yeah, I'm just telling saying, them they knew he was signing with saying, LA a year before yeah, everything he you guys signed. are saying right now is, is all assumption you guys are assuming LeBron no, spoke hold on you guys are spe- assuming that LeBron spoke to the GM when he's not supposed to the team he's going to sign for before he's supposed to and is dictating who he wants to be traded oh, in the free correct. Do, I don't think okay first of all uh, that is that not that? far-fetched of an assumption that is this LeBron is, no, that's, James Graf, no, no, it's no, you, more of a it's an assumption more than it could be a you're being a tad naive to think that LeBron isn't working behind the scenes to orchestrate it's not LeBron it's, it's like LeBron through his agent through this person right and they, he has. He's pulling the strings on this thing. Okay, in my mind, though, for you to come in and say that LeBron, ever since he got to LA, all he's done is try to get rid of everybody and create this own identity. Like, that's an no, assumption. But just at the that trade deadline. That is an assumption. No, at the trade deadline. He tried to get the young guys traded for AD. He, he was at AD. the All-Star Weekend Every, campaigning to get Anthony Davis. He's like, like basically, might as well say, fuck Brent Ingram, fuck Kyle Kuzma. Come to me. We'll trade everybody. I don't give a fuck who I have to trade up this roster. Come to the LA Lakers, Anthony Davis. He was openly campaigning for him. LeBron James comes off as a salty little bitch. I'm sorry. I love the guy. I think he's the greatest player of all, our second greatest player of all time. Just this whole situation, this whole fiasco, he just comes off as a little bit of a... His hair plugs look pretty good, though. Yeah, they do. What happened you know? there, man? Space I guess, Jam. Dude, if I Space go bald... Jam, but- Oh, I want that millionaire money, man. Because Matt, oh, I'm not even gonna say that joke again. <laughs> I mean, you're the best player in the world, and you're 34 years old, and but you're is a he? team that was in fourth place. Yeah, he is. And you were on the, you were a team that was in fourth place before you got injured, and you came back, and they're in tenth. There's a, you know what? Like honestly, in yeah. my mind, if you're LeBron James, 
it's more of a message to the Lakers, like to, to Magic, to, to, to everybody on his own team. Like, guys, you have to figure it out. I don't think we can sit here and criticize LeBron any more than we can criticize Magic or anything the Lakers organization's done. What have they done before LeBron got there that proves that the Lakers organization's been in, going in the right direction? There's been no, nothing. nothing. Like, yeah. the head office no, of the Lakers you, yeah. is way more no, in my sure, mind to blame than LeBron. There's no debate. And can, you, you can't get your legacy and the location of your team dictate who you can get. You have, you have to put put together like at least a, a, a semi-competent roster, a, a, something that resembling an identity and hope for the God that And that's exactly what the Clippers did, who's right. the antithesis of the Lakers. They just built a team. They didn't, yeah. they didn't build around bullshit. Yeah. They built a team in order yeah. to get a superstar. Yeah, yeah you're right. As opposed yeah. to the Lakers, <laughs> they just which built got a, team. a superstar in free agency and is trying to build a team around. So we can agree on the 51-49 breakdown, right? Yeah, 59 for the Magic, 49 for LeBron. I agree No, 51-49. You're, you're skewing the numbers yeah, here. Yeah, 51 for the Lakers, 49 for LeBron. That's where I put that. Because I agree with you. I do think LeBron, obviously, I'm not an idiot. I know LeBron's, is. I just don't think he's doing it to the same extent that you guys are. I think Magic Johnson's doing this way. He's, Magic Johnson, this is his team. So who's on the hot seat now? And don't forget. Because someone's got to fall Luke on the sword. And yeah, Luke Walton. And course, that, and that I course, don't think is fair. Of course. He inher- you inherited a team with Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson. It should be Magic Johnson right? in Le- my mind. But it's it not going to be, be no, no, no. It's because you guys are having the assumption that Magic Johnson's the guy that's like like offering the contracts. Rob Palinka, what the fuck has Rob Palinka done? Magic oh. Johnson is just the face, the figurehead. You know what I mean? Magic Johnson's leading right. the team. Someone's got to some sort of stability on the sword. They See, were booing LeBron. As much as you guys, yeah, as the much as night, you guys think I'm naive with LeBron not conducting back, I think I, know, I, I think you're naive to think that it's not Magic Johnson calling all the shots in, in the Lakers. No, Rob Palinka is if anything. I think it's both of them. idiot. We both know that. We've made fun of him on the show multiple times. I think the first meeting he had with Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson probably went, okay, you stay out of the media's face and I'm going to run You just said here. it though. Rob Palenka is an idiot. What, 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 <laughs> what does an idiot move? What does an idiot do when they can assemble a roster? That's what I'm saying. It's In Magic Johnson's decisions. I don't think it's his. You think? I think Luke you, Walden and Palenka get, get fired this year. But Magic won't. You, you think Magic's getting fired this year? There's no, no. chance. No. And right. I think it's primarily his fault. That's, that's also that's point. a little genie bus on the Lakers, like the Lakers staff, to hire Magic Johnson as their GM because they have no escape clause in the situation. They're locked into Magic Johnson until they have a mutual sort of separation. But it can't be Magic Johnson. You're yeah. fucking fired. Get your ass but, on the goddamn yeah, sidewalk. But the, and right? this is they my point: why it's not fair to Walton. This guy inherited a roster built like for the Showtime '80s with like no three point shooting, and they're playing like LeBron as their you know 34 year old lazy LeBron as their center. It's just flawed man and like he inherited the best player in the world who does who is a notorious coach killer yeah he was doomed to fail. It's like it, they're also the same age, the same draft class. It's like when you yeah. date, it's like when you date a younger girl and you go to her house and you realize her older brother is the same age as you. It's just a fucking <laughs> awkward situation, man. It's just like, like hey man, like how's, how's are... calculus class going? <laughs> do, do that that design. Remember, remember, remember that time we were getting tailored suits for the 2003 draft, and now you're fucking telling me how I should run my offense, even though I'm the greatest player of all time, and you have done nothing in your career. But hey, Luke, I'll fucking listen hey, to you. Let's so, get a frappuccino. Interesting sometime. note. Do you know who's rumored to be taking the job of Mr. Luke Walton? The two names? Brian Shaw was first, one guy I heard of there. First, I have heard of... My, these are my, just my sources, keep in mind. You have no one, sources! Teron Lu, the subtle genius of where, Teron Wow, where did you pull that Lou? one out of? That, that okay. one was full of left field. You I could never two, think about that. Won a championship with LeBron. Are and you Nostradamus? secondly, J-Kid. Oh my God, that's the worst decision they could ever make as an organization. I think Greg's sources are Greg's brain. Yeah. <laughs> Google. <laughs> just, just, just like you're, you're still on Jason Kidd Island. Oh yeah, I no, I think he'll. How he can wants, you be on Jason Kidd Island? Still? I Look think, what I think if he, I think if, dude, I think the Bucks would have been really good this year, even if he was there. Jesus Christ, go, go, Graffin, can you help me out here for one second? We're winding down the podcast, guys. I just need to hey, fucking. Could you Greg. see Jay Kidd coaching LeBron? He listened to him. Two I, moves. They get Jay Kidd as their coach, and then they somehow they'll probably have to move LeBron to get Chris Boucher. But they get, they get Chris <laughs> Boucher on the roster as well. Yep. They're set, honestly. That's a dynasty for probably half a decade. You know what? They fire Magic Johnson, they keep Rob Plinka, and they bring in Brian Colangelo you do a cold jam situation. You don't yep. think yep. Jason Kidd would fit well with Lonzo Ball and LeBron? You don't think he could, he could coach He can't well? coach a fucking NBA team in 2019. We have seen what's happened with the Milwaukee Bucks from him putting together that whatever offense, that, that shitty fucking antiquated version of a modern offense toward what we're seeing Mike Boonholz do right now, which is innovative, progressive. And but that team, as constructed, doesn't play that way. 
I think Jake Kidd would be a good match for that team. Do you have Stockholm Syndrome, Jason Kidd? Like, did he, like, fucking kidnap you as a child? I love like, him. Yeah, I, I, you know who has a better chance than Jason Kidd? I think, in my mind? Mark Jackson. Kobe Bryant. Kobe? Has a, has a better chance of, of getting the job? Of getting that job than Jason Kidd, yeah. Magic's got to come out of friggin'. Oh, no. He, seen it. he never coached, did he? No. It, neither is Kobe. And I can still see the Magic getting Kobe. You, you know who I want to coach the Lakers? My boy, Penny Hardway. He's at Memphis. He's doing good work. You know, I love Penny because you get all these fucking, sh- oh, I was going to say shitbag coaches. You get all, yeah, these shitbag coaches like Derek Fisher and, and Jason Kidd. These guys haven't gone through the ringer. They haven't coached on an yeah, amateur haven't side. Reps. They haven't like been on those shitty bus rides. They haven't seen the bottom of the bottom when it comes to the coaching world. Hey. And, and Penny Hardaway was fucking coaching high school basketball in Memphis, went to college. When you're an all-time great coach. player, you're given the benefit of the doubt is how it works. And that's why he was given that job. What about, uh, just another, I'm going to throw these big super names out there. What about Patrick Ewing? Patrick Ewing's been coaching at Georgetown now for a while. He's put, like, talk about someone who's putting in the dudes. The reps. Oh, yeah. Reps. No, you know what? Dude? Patrick Ewing's they, someone. There, there's a bias. There's a bias towards big men as coaches. And I think especially African-American set, like, a guy like Ewing, right? He really had to put in his reps. But what? If, but what if it's I, a guy? You heard that, it here first. If he, but they need the a big name to reign in that roster. Yeah. Well, think about the best teams in the NBA. Who is leading that team? It's not former NBA players. It's yeah. all these white tacticians who just like because if Patrick Ewing mm. came in, like the Brad Eagle would come into play. Yeah. He would say no to the evolution of floor spacing, but like fucking grid and grind every no, day. No, there's both. You have both, but you're right. There is that. There is that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Uh, Catch us on... We are on Spotify, obviously. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Brand, can I just give a shout out to a young man that got released from uh, Bloorview uh, Children's Hospital today? Uh, First, so Sasha, glad to see that you're recovered. Uh, And second, to all the the staff um, there that that helped them. They do such amazing work there. Uh, A lot of people claim to be changing lives. Lives, <clears throat> MLSE, uh, but they're actually doing it. So hey, MLSE's doing see. a good job. I know people that work at the uh, at the, at the offices there. Oh yeah, not oh, the yeah. offices. Fifty fifty draws, baby. Not the offices at the uh, the launch pad. At the launch pad. Oh yeah, they do great work. Yeah. Transforming the lives of. Of youth, indeed. And just a heads up, guys, we still have the uh, social media giveaway on Instagram. Get your toques. I'm wearing one right now. There's five to give away. All you got to do is like the post on Twitter or Instagram. Tag a friend and follow us, and you're good nice. to go. You're in the draw. The draw's going to be next Sunday, so it's going to be, I don't know what date that is off the top of my head. I'm going to pull it up now. It's March 16th, so March 16th is the final draw day. We're Coming draw up. Five lucky winners for the toque. They're great toques to keep you warm. Second place prize gets a free With back. New era. Second place prize gets a free back massage from Greg Urashadis. From Greg Urashadis. He's Cypriot. He'll oil himself up and he'll just lather it on, boys. All right. Valued at 400. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye.